This the remix. Right side, oh, a hard hit from Haig. Took his man to the boards. Penalty coming up. Look out, we've got multiple fights breaking out. Kaprizov took the hit from Haig right at the railing at the Vegas bench. And everybody's all locked up. Things got testy. From a face-off, Minnesota scores right off the draw, right wing side. Minnesota takes the lead 2-1 to one with 6.37 to go in regulation. It's Kaprizov again. His second goal in just the last couple of minutes. Whacking that thing around. It's in the right corner. Marcheseau picks it up. Marcheseau, top of the right circle. Set it up. Right wing. Extra feed. Petrangelo scores! Alex Petrangelo wins it in overtime. Vegas 3, Minnesota 2. Shove it in. Just crushed my dreams. Boom. Sadness. That's the one. Overtime win for the Golden Knights last night against the Minnesota Wild, reestablishing themselves firmly as the first place team in the West, likely to get that number one seed. But now it's time for our resident professor, Grainy, to give out his grades. Grainy's grades. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Grainy's grades. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Grainy's grades. The first topic to grade is the first period from the Golden Knights and Wild last night. A pass. A pass. I liked all those fights. I mean, it gave you some idea that, you know, I mean, like I said, I don't know if White Cloud needs to be fighting anyone. And I don't know if it was the first game or I think it was the first game. We don't need Riley Smith. I'd like to see his brother fight somebody, but not him. <laughs> um, but. You know, we'll talk about the Hague fight. I thought it was, uh, yeah, I thought uh, Kaprizov. I mean, I thought uh, I thought all those were good. I like that. I don't I don't need to see three periods of skill. We'll see those in the next two periods. How do I want to see that for? So uh, it wasn't as funny as, you know, the Rangers and the Capitals dropping them before, which was really weird. Uh, but I liked it. I have no problem with at least 20 minutes of let's just fight each other. And nobody cares if anyone scores. Entertainment standpoint, that's good. Uh, Golden Knight standpoint, it's an F. F. Because... <laughs> The Golden Knights should never do that. Like we, the only time we ever see the Golden Knights get into a game where like an entire period is wiped out because they can't stop hitting each other after the whistle or fighting, it happens against the Sharks. But the reason it happens against the Sharks is because the only way the San Jose Sharks can beat the Golden Knights is if they do that. That's the only way that Sharks team can beat this Golden Knights team is if they play them like that. And that's kind of similar for a lot of the teams in the West Division. The Golden Knights are better than pretty much every team in this division. And if they get lured into that type of game, that's how they lose. So this year, the Golden Knights point percentage, right? The percentage of points they get from games when they have at least 10 penalty minutes is 56%. When they have less than 10 penalty minutes, it's 77%. Like so they're not they, a fighting team. When they avoid fights, when they right. avoid like having the big penalties, right. they, they win the games all, all the time. When they do stuff like that, they're kind of a 500 team. They're 
kind of like everybody else in the West Division. Slightly better than them, probably. But like that, I think, makes them a worse team. They should play skill for three periods. Because they have really no one other than Reeves who can fight. Well, because the, well, they're better than the teams at the actual yeah, hockey park. Skill-wise. Yes. yes. So just do that for three periods. But, but you know, we got 40, we got 40 plus minutes on that. Well, it's hockey. Stupid I mean, things happen. Just, you need just, all 60 of them I to, like to 20. try to blow them out. Beat the hell out of each other. Next topic, Nick Haig fighting Marcus Foligno. Ooh, this is a good one. So I'm going to say A. A. I scored it. I scored the round 10-9 Foligno. Um, he won the fight. I, I know Golden Knights fans want to say, Nick, he won the fight because it was his first one, and Foligno had like 40-plus. Uh, Foligno won the fight. I will give Nick Haig an A because I thought a. he was – now he had the reach advantage – but I actually thought he was a lot better than I thought he would be. Like, I thought, is this a, it's like when Riley Smith starts backing up in his case. Like, you better back up. Uh, but Nick Haig kind of stood in there. Now, they've said this often. Obviously, we didn't watch him in his minor leagues or in his AHL career, but they said he fought a lot. Yeah, down he's, there. Got like, he's got like eight okay, or nine. Okay, so fights. he's, this yeah. not, wasn't his first time he fought anybody, but he took on a really tough guy. And like I said, if I'm scoring at the, at the MGM, it's 10 9 Felino. But like, I thought Haig kind of, he kind of stood up. I thought he did well. He was bad early. I, I thought there was a yes. time where Yo, he was he not going to get a single like, punch in. He came on late in the round. Yes. He did. He came on late in the round. <laughs> like Absolutely. the first about yes. 25 seconds of that Foligno fight, just kicked, yeah. I didn't think Hake was even going to try to throw right. a punch. He, he was did just come holding on late. the jersey. Yes. But he did start punching with the end. Yeah. So, Nick Haig, we'll give him a C. C. Next topic to grade is Zach Whitecloud. Oh, so uh, D. D. Don't do that. Uh, because I don't Check. care. I don't want get your face beat. <laughs> yes, into the ice? don't do that. Don't believe you can fight anybody Asterisk. because this is what's going to happen when someone falls on you and, and elbows you in the head. Uh, you're going to bleed all over his jersey. Even the wife who like watches every second of this team, like last night, goes, "Poor Zach, look at him. He's got <laughs> he's got blood all over." And she's like, "Why is he in the penalty box? He's the one with the blood." I'm like, "Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Calm down." Um, so yeah, don't do that. It doesn't appear you can fight, and it was not a good look to have blood all over yourself. So he gets a D because he's got to be smarter than that. I um I just feel bad for him. Like it's, I just, he, just feel bad he doesn't even look like a fighter because well, and, and it wasn't even like he was trying to drop the gloves and fight. He no. just got driven into the <laughs> yes, ice yes. and then got his face driven into yeah. the ice multiple times. Yeah, that just, wasn't good. I just felt bad for him because then at the end of the day. Not only does he have a bloody nose, not only did he get driven in the ice, when they go to the penalty box, he gets called for a double minor. So the Golden Knights got to kill a penalty because that, they that gave White Cloud a double thing. minor. That was a funny thing because the announcers didn't realize he'd get double. like, everything's evened up. And then on the screen, I see two minutes counting down. I'm like, well, it's not even up because someone's on the power play. Like I'm sitting in my, uh, watching the TV. I'm like, it's not even up. This team's on the power play. And then they finally realize it 10 seconds. They're like, oh, must have been a double. There's a power play going on. Like they didn't even realize it. And this goes back to my complaint two days ago of NHL referees not announcing everything to the television yes, audience yes. because we have no idea what happened. Yeah. And the guy's calling the game. They can't be at the game anymore, so they're sitting watching on a no, screen exactly. like they we have are. to like, react to what they we see. We have yes. no clue yeah. what happened because the referees don't announce right. everything. Check. <laughs> I guess I didn't give a grade. No, you didn't give a grade. Uh, Check. I felt bad Minus. for him. I'll give him an A just because I felt a. bad Because he felt really him. bad because yeah. he had blood all over just himself. Just make him feel better about himself. All right. <laughs> Next topic is Mark Andre Fleury. Because, because these grades really resonate with they that do. team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we should have done grades with Alex Tuck. AC pass C pass. Well, I shouldn't do asterisks because that makes no sense. Asterisk. I'll give him the A. Oh, the AC pass. Yes, a lot of sense. Well, A C pass. A 
because he became the third all-time leader in wins and in the big picture, that's amazing and good for him. And he's going to the Hall of Fame and all of that. Uh, good for him. I didn't think he was great. First of all, I didn't think he was great because he didn't even fa- face many high danger chances. Most of those shots were not even, you know, near the crease. And, the, and the, by the way, the Knights did a much better job of that this time. Like the other night, those guys just camped in the crease. So just, you know, someone shoot it because we'll just knock in the rebound. So I thought they did a better job with that. He gives up too late. So I didn't think he was great. So overall, great for him. He becomes number third. That night last night, I didn't think he was great. And I don't See. think he saw many, you know, tough shots anyway. Pass. I, have, I have three grades for Mark Andre. Oh, you see, see, you're buying into my concept here of three different grades. First off, he gets an A plus, A plus for becoming third all time in wins, sole possession of third all time in wins. Uh, he's a little bit of a compiler, but I like compilers, so that's a very good accomplishment for him. We'll see if he can get to second. It, it's possible for him to get to second if he plays a couple more seasons. Yeah, that's tough. might need to play Six three more. Away? Yeah, he might need to play three more seasons. Especially if to they get keep there. rotating. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's not getting. He in. might not be here very long well, when true. he does it. But he might be able to get to second. <laughs> Mark Andre Fleury became the second for the Seattle Kraken. Yes, he gave up <laughs> two goals. Minnesota had an expected goals of one point eight. Like it wasn't. He wasn't. He was good early, but it's not like he was a phenomenal goalie in that game over the entire sixty minutes. So he gets a C. C. What you would expect, you know, from an average goalie there. But the final grade I'm giving him is an F. F. Because he took a cheap shot at Ryan Hartman when the Golden Knights were killing a penalty. Ryan Hartman was in front of the net all by himself. I Golden saw Knights this. Didn't have I saw this. Mark Andre Fleury during the play. Yes. Smacks Ryan Hartman in the back of the head. Ryan Hartman turns around to say, what the hell, dude? And Marc-Andre Fleury takes out his legs with his uh, stick. Yeah. So now Ryan Hartman's laying on the ground. It's extremely dirty. Yes. Braden McNabb skates over and McNabb and Hartman start shoving each other. And and they go to the the penalty box afterwards. But it's all because Marc-Andre Fleury is over here just hitting Hartman, who's standing in front of the net. And this is the, the thing that annoys me about goalies in hockey is they can do that and they're never getting called for oh, a penalty. No. Goalies never get called for that. And it, almost any time there's a chippy game, Flurry will do something like that. Yes. Like he did it a couple years ago to Matthew Kachuk of the Calgary Flames. He held his ice or held his face to the ice after the guy fell down by the piece, uh, crease and was like, what do you want me to do? I'm just holding you here. And like he, he will do anytime there's a chippy game, he'll take a shot like that. And he knows he's not getting called. Though he'll never get called for a penalty on it. But if Ryan Hartman turns around and punches Mark Andre oh, Fleury, ten minutes. Ryan Hartman's like out of the league. Yes, like oh, you can't hit a goalie, nice. even though Fleury just hit him in the back of the head. Dirty, greasy Fleury. He is pretty dirty. Anytime there's a chippy game, he gets in a cheap shot. Fail. Yes. Next topic: Kirill Kaprizov. Oh, hey, I love that kid. A. He not only scored twice, he fights people. Like I, like it's usually one or the other, right? You're usually like a fighter, or you're like a skilled guy, and. This guy I love. He'll take anyone on, and he doesn't back down, and yet he's scoring both goals. So this guy, to me, gets an A. I think he's good. A. Eight games this year against the Golden Knights. Six goals, two he's assists. Good. Yeah. It's an A+. Plus. And a fighting plus. people. And he's the one that bloodied Zach Whitecloud by yeah, driving his face to the ice. Guy. Probably pretty dirty there from Capri Yeah, but if you well. can make it up by scoring, it's like you're fine. It's like if that's all you do, it's like, hey, you're kind of a dirty player. All right, I do want to add this one in here because we didn't get to it at the top of the show. But Alex Petrangelo. Oh, well, kind of the first thing I've seen him do. So I got to go A because he earned his money last night and he uh, he scores the game winner and he gets $8 million a year. He had to do that. And uh, good for him. He gets an A. A. 
it was the Alex Petrangelo moment. That's it. It's like yeah. the first time we've been like, oh, Alex Petrangelo. Yeah. Maybe he is worth $8.8 million. Yeah, um, nice. But I can only give him a C. C. Because in overtime, he scores the game-winning goal. He gets credit for he actually elevated the puck on a one-timer. Yes. He didn't shoot it across the ice so he could get kick saved away. But he can only get a C because about eight seconds earlier, he had another shot on a one-timer and he missed the net. Like he got two cracks. That at wouldn't it. give him a B. No, no, two a cracks at it. One's an A, one's an F. They, <laughs> they, they cancel out to a C. His GPA uh, is a C. You get two shots at it. He put one in. Good 50%. job. But you, he completely missed the net. Like didn't even get it on target. Completely you know what? He would net. be good at fifty percent. He'd be a pretty good soccer goalie. <laughs> he'd be. He'd, he'd ask check. He'd get a check for that. Check plus. Yeah. Sign him up for yeah, lights. Well, there's no chance he might give up five. <laughs> what would Andrew uh, Petrangelo is a tall guy. That's it's my that's guy. my reporting oh, and research boy. on him. There we go. He's tall. So my guess is, I mean, would he have given up more than five? I didn't see all the chances you did, but he couldn't have made five Probably. saves. I, I will say, Light's goalie in the first half made at least two good saves that, that Petrangelo could not make. That were like, oh, they should like LA Galaxy two should have scored. Okay, so then, it right. might have been seven. All right, he get seven. <laughs> Does he get to wear the skates? <laughs> that is a good question. <laughs> He might not be tall if he doesn't have the skates and on. And does he get to bring his stick? So uh, the ball comes, he just whacks it out. I was just That'd thinking awesome. he flattens the ball in the yes. first like, <laughs> just minute. And just pops it. it. Yeah. Says, hey, try scoring now. Uh, All right, coming up next, Bischoff's Briefs takes a look at the Raiders and somebody declaring them the worst drafting team in the worst three, uh, last three years. Do you want to schedule a parent-teacher conference after hearing Grainy's grades? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. Bischoff's Briefs. I never realized baseball had so much butt touching. Bischoff's Briefs. That's how they communicate. Bischoff's Briefs. Like Braille, but with butts. Bischoff's Briefs. Read my butt! Coming up in about 25 minutes, you're going to have a chance to win a copy of MLB The Show for Xbox. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But Bischoff's Briefs today is taking a look at the Raiders' draft in the last three seasons since Mike Mayock got hired. So uh, Ben Robinson, he runs a site called grinding the mocks, which basically just compiles as many mock drafts for the NFL as he can find. We're talking over 1500 first round mock drafts that he has basically compiled to give you the, the ultimate big board. The, this is what all of the media combined average together. This is how they view prospects for the NFL draft. And this year, if you compare, he put together a nice little chart. If you compare the expected draft position of these 1,500 mock drafts compared to the actual draft position of the players that were taken in the first round, the Raiders made the biggest reach with Alex Leatherwood. They picked a guy lower than anybody else expected with the 17th overall pick. But what's funnier is that Ben Robinson did this last year as well in 2019 when the Raiders took Damon Arnett (laughs) and Henry Ruggs. And again, based on 1,500 mock drafts, the Raiders in the first round made the biggest reaches in terms of value they could have gotten. But it gets even better because in the 2019 draft, when they had three first-round picks, 
The Raiders were again the team that reached more than any other team in the first round. Cleveland Furl, Josh Jacobs, and Jonathan Abram oh, was I that first you. round okay, class. Yeah, yeah. They've done it three years in a row where comparing their draft against mock drafts of 1,500 people, they have made the biggest reaches. Now, if you remember, we talked to Mark Ross on Friday last week, and one of the things Mark Ross told us, works for NFL Network, has been in some front offices, one of the things he told us is that it's not necessarily a bad thing to go against like mock drafts or go against the grain or whatever, but you better be right. Like you need to be right if you're going to do it. And here's the thing. If you do it a few times and you are right, like Fine. it works out, then yeah. people are going to start saying, oh, you might like, know more than everyone yeah, else. You know what right. you're doing. You know what right. you're evaluating or looking for. The problem for the Raiders is it's been, it's been the exact opposite, right? Cleveland Furl was exactly what everyone said he was going to be. And he, if he's taken as the 20th pick in the NFL draft, Nobody's batting an eye about Cleveland Furl. They would have said, yeah, it's, he's been a solid first-round pick. That's what we thought he would be. But because they took him at four, massive reach. Damon Arnett was a cornerback that people said, oh, that's maybe a third-round pick. They took him in the first round, and he was brutal last year. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Abram was a reach. He was projected as a second-round pick by these 1,500 mock drafts. They took him, granted, late first round. It's not the worst of their reaches, but they took him late in the first round, and he was terrible last season. Henry Ruggs was the most people had the third best wide receiver in the draft class last year. The Raiders made him the first wide receiver, and he performed like the eighth or ninth best rookie wide receiver last season. They've done it every single year since Mayock has been here, and they did it again with Alex Leatherwood that, listen, if they were hitting on these, if Cleveland Furl had been a stud, if Damon Arnett was like a lockdown corner from day one, you'd say, hell, Mike Mayock's doing a great job. Like, this is unbelievable. But because they keep missing... And they continue to keep reaching. It makes you think, A, do they know what they're doing evaluating? And B, are they paying attention? Are they learning from what they've done in the past? Because they keep making the same mistakes and it keeps giving them bad players. Well, we talked about this and I asked you the question after the draft. And I think looking at this research, it kind of uh, makes it more legitimate. It just seems like those two guys think they're smarter than everyone else. Right. It just seems that way. I'm not, and you should look. We said this. You should have. I hope you have confidence in whoever you pick. Because if you don't have confidence, no matter who you pick, then you probably shouldn't be doing that job, right? So they all have egos. They all have confidence. But when three straight years you average out to the biggest reach, and none of them have really worked out, maybe you're not the smartest right. guys in the room, right? And and you're you're gonna reach at some point. Like there's going to be times where you reach on a guy. There's going to be times where you, you know, you're like, well, we love this guy. Nobody else loves him, but we love him and we can't trade back. Yes. So we're taking him. And if you do, you know, if you have five drafts as a general manager, you do that, you know, once or twice in the top three rounds over five years, that's fine. Like nobody's going to be that mad if you take a couple reaches over five years. But when you do it every single year, every single first round, that's when it becomes a major issue. Like if if they had just taken Cleveland Furl, right, and it was, well, we liked him. We couldn't trade back. He was our second best. We didn't want that Ed Oliver guy. Yeah, like if they had done Cle- Cleveland Furl, and then the next two drafts they had taken guys whoever's were, supposed to be there. Yeah, where yeah. if they had taken Darisaw this year at tackle, yeah. and if last year they had taken Jerry Judy, was I right. think most people had as the number one last year, then we'd be saying okay, like it's it's not great that you took Furl, but it, okay, one time you kind of got in a bad situation, but when it keeps happening year after year, you look and you say, well, okay, well what. Like, what do you like? Why do you think you're smarter than everybody 
when it's clearly not working out for you on the field? Like, why aren't you learning from that? Are they, do you think this guy, when he puts his information together, does he knock teams down if after two first round picks, no one's uh, high fiving or fist bumping in the, in the draft room? Because there were a couple picks where the Raiders did not fist bump, and I was very worried. We need like, a graph adjustment. Yes, we need for... a graph adjustment on when the shot goes to the war room, and everyone's kind of sitting there staring at each other, and no one has stood up. Because in all these draft rooms, people are not only standing up; they're like high fiving, doing jumping jacks. Guys are. It was the Trey Lance one. I think it was a Trey Lance one. No, no, it was the Justin Fields one when the Bears uh, traded up. Some dude came, it's like, I think he might have been the janitor, but he came sprinting around the corner, hugging everybody, and he looked like he had nothing to do with anything. <laughs> but he was so excited to pick. A couple, you went to the Raiders room, and it's like, uh, is anyone standing up? I haven't seen a fist bump yet. So maybe they got, like, knocked down for that. It was the Raiders, and didn't the Eagles have a shot of their war room where it was just sort of like yeah, there was kind of one staring guy, at each <laughs> sort of like an <laughs> awkward, the, like, the slow fist, fist bump. Like, yeah. yeah, am I supposed to fist bump? And it was like, uh, yeah, nobody really wanted The greatest him. is, the greatest is, we didn't fist bump we didn't get up we didn't get up at all post post uh, draft uh, press conference that's who we wanted he was on our board we were we couldn't believe he fell to us <laughs> the, we uh jordan sperber's the guy that put together the montage of college basketball coaches saying we're gonna yes. win the right win way the right we're way do things, do the, right things way, yeah. the right way yeah we need somebody to put together the montage of all 32 GMs saying, we got our guy. Oh, got our guy. It's the best. It's he the best. was the top of our board, Could and we not got him anyways. He fell to us. We, we sitting there going, are you kidding me? He fell to I mean, it's awesome. It's Mayak, awesome. Mayak said that on day three, that he couldn't believe yes, Diablo yes, and uh, Coots fell to him. Can you believe Diablo was still there? It's like, who? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Everyone said he'd still be there in the fifth round. Like, yes. <laughs> I just want the – I want – the GM that comes out and goes, yeah, we got we got flustered real bad. We panicked, and so yeah. we just took a guy. We, we just took a actually, guy. I to, sent in a name. Didn't know he was actually <laughs> like a player. To, to be Urban Meyer kind of said that. They took Travis Etienne with their second, with their the second, Jags, the yeah, second, second pick, pick. And he had a quote that he was like, the guy we really wanted got sniped right before us. So he actually did come out and say that ETN wasn't well, the top guy. Okay. They wanted it that thing. Urban has since been fined because it's just, he's he's new to this situation. And the GM and Con, the owner, said, "Yeah, we don't say that. We don't, we admit, we don't admit that we've made mistakes." That means Ohio State, you can do that because you're like winning all the time. But here, you're going to go like four and thirteen with seven, whatever. Now, go bring games up are. Tebow again. Exactly. So they forget Tebow. about it. <laughs> When's Tebow's workout happening? <laughs> all right, coming up next, Jr. Starkus joins the show. Want to be part of the show? Call the Press Box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678 and leave your opinion. Ready for the weekend? Let's find out what's on tap. We can provide you with a wine tasting tour of Tuscany. We cannot change why you drink. It's Thirsty Thursday with J.R. Starkus. Who needs a drink? So we drink and we drink. Liquor World's bringing him on. It's at JR Starkus on Twitter, King Account Executive, Southern Glazers, Wine Spirits, Nevada, Extreme Mixologist on Instagram at JR Makes Drinks. Okay, we had this issue yesterday, and I they made fun of me, and I don't know why. I mean, I think it's like a normal thing um, that I don't know much about, like, things. And Justin Emerson, <laughs> Justin Emerson of Las Vegas Sun, I guess had tweeted out a picture of what is now, I believe, I've been known as, uh, told as an alcohol. I knew nothing about this. When I first saw it, I thought it was an energy drink, and these guys were laughing at me. Do you have anything to do with White Claw? Uh, White Claw is not our brand, but we have things that are very, very similar to White Claw. Uh, probably the biggest one that you would know would be Truly um, or Corona Seltzer. 
Um, they're I've all heard of Corona in the filter <laughs> category. Okay. I asked Jared, like, you know, back in the day, it's like, hey, you know, hey, Jimmy, can you go into the uh, store and get me some uh, wine coolers? Like, that was the thing, like, you know, the different colored wine sure. coolers. But this was like, when I first saw it, I thought it was like a, um, like one of those energy drinks um, that you pound down and, like, you get a lot of sugar. You should try and see what happens if you drink a lot of these energy drinks. It'd be interesting to watch uh, your energy um, <laughs> and how it affects you. <laughs> Would it take the uh, opposite yeah, effect? <laughs> I'd be passed out? <laughs> you have you kids. Do pass out. You have um, kids, Ed. I'm I'm surprised you don't know just because you have kids. No, you know what? And Jr. will attest to this about my son: beer snob. Oh, yeah. huge beer really? snob! Like, oh, the IPAs yeah. and there's this and this. Like, hey, don't idea what yeah. you're Oh, he knows. You know, Tristan, like beer snob. Like he only goes usually because I'm paying, and it seems <laughs> and it appears to be a lot more money, by the way, than these white cloth things. But yeah, beer snob. So, so he wouldn't. Yeah, he wouldn't yeah, touch and there's this. definitely no crossover there. Like that. The yeah, beer snob yeah. Guy <laughs> is like, well, let's try with a pineapple yeah. white cloth. I was going to say, you should ask him about White Claw just to get, oh, a, just just to get his response. This response. Yeah. Yeah. Just a sneer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, the, the, the spritz or like that style RTD or, you know, um, that style of category of drink, uh, like truly, um, like the Corona Seltzers, it's, they, they really, really took off um, like during the pandemic. I mean, they were doing very, very well beforehand, but then they like just rocket, you know, huge volume because um, the people like them because there's they're, they're flavorful. Um, they're generally pretty low in calorie um, and they'll get to you real quick and they're easy to drink. So uh, that they, they now we're finding that a lot, a lot of companies are getting into what we call the RTD ready to drink game. Um, so they're so much so that for a while we are experiencing and, in the supply chain, I'm sure if anybody's gone to the liquor store lately, your favorite booze has probably not been there um, or it's been in short supply because there are um, supply chain issues all over the place. And it's not just with booze. It's with bacon. It's with hammers. It's with, you know, everything that you can think of, wood and even dirt in some aspects. Wait, um, yeah, wait, no, it's, it's why crazy. do you Everybody, know so much dirt. about what's happening here? Dirt, dirt bacon, yeah, hammers, no, and booze. So, why do you know so, so much? <laughs> I'll tell you, because I uh, making a diorama. I was doing a. I had a meeting um, with some uh, con, con, uh, contractors out of California, and they were asking me about booze and whatnot, and via Zoom. And I asked them. I said, "Hey, are you experiencing the same things that we are with, you know, um, issues with supply chain?" He's like, "Absolutely." He says, "He's like, sometimes we don't even have dirt." to move or we can't find the people to move the dirt or we don't have a truck to move the dirt or we don't have the driver or we don't have, he's like, it's unbelievable right now what, what they're experiencing. Um, so it's affecting every, every issue, but going back to the seltzers, the, 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 there was such a high demand on seltzers that we were experiencing an aluminum shortage. You couldn't get aluminum to actually put these things into a uh, can. So now that's at least worked pretty much its way through. Um, thank goodness, because the volume of seltzers is astronomical, astronomical. But these companies, all of them, uh, the beer companies especially, uh, they're getting into that game. Look at Corona Seltzer. I mean, truly is owned by Boston Beer Company, the same company that owns Boston Lager or Sam Adams. Um, so th- there's th- there's tremendous amount of volume into these things. And, uh, yeah, so it's it's crazy. You should definitely know about them, Ed. You would like them. I bet your wife would like them, too. I don't know anything. I don't know you put anything. some whipped cream on it, maybe. There could be so. like a pineapple one or with some whipped cream on There's no, There's no coffee-flavored ones yet. 
I've got um, I've got it, wine snobs at my house. I've got a kid who'd love Ryan Reeves to be back in the ice, but he's not ordering the beer. Uh, so he, he's going much higher in terms Ooh. of the, um, My dad the other day did order one of Ryan Reeves' beers like on it? tap, and he was like, okay, this is better. It's still uh, not, yeah, you know. Yeah. But it's, Which one did he have? Oh, I don't. You think I wasn't six shots deep by the time <laughs> that we were having this conversation? Well, you remembered that it was better. I mean, you might remember which one it was. I don't know. I remembered it was Ryan Reeves. I think that's an accomplishment yeah. for my addled brain. I'm going to ask you about today because I didn't know there was more than one. Uh, Mother's Day's on Sunday. Uh, you yeah. uh, you have a drink for us today for our moms. Yeah, so, you know. So I did. I did. Um, we've been doing a lot of the spritz drinks, and they're they're perfect, right? They're perfect for. Um, this time of year, the warm weather, they're easy to drink. We've talked about that plenty of times. And I remember doing a spritz-style drink last year for Mother's Day as well, so I thought I'd continue that theme. Um, and so what I wanted to do is I was walking to the store, and um, I was looking at some, you know, all the fresh produce and whatnot that's that's available right now. And, you know, it's 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 coming on that time of year. So, uh, But I, at the same time, I, you know, also like to kind of reuse a lot of the stuff that we've worked with before. So here's a fun one uh, that you can do. And I actually made this drink uh, for Brienne a couple days ago, and I loved it. She loved it, so I'll probably wind up making it again on Mother's Day. Uh, So this would be Grey Goose Essences. Now you're going to use the Grey Goose Essences Peach and Rosemary Vodka, okay? You're also going to need some St. Germain, which we've used before, elderflower liqueur. And then I'm using the juice of, you know, those uh, California mandarin oranges called Cuties? Yes. You know those? Yes. So I'm going to use the juice of two Cuties, which is about an ounce of Cuties juice. Um, a little bit of agave nectar, about a quarter ounce, and then a brute sparkling wine. So to build this drink, you're going to take a, a large style goblet glass or Collins glass, something along those lines, fill it with ice. Um, there's no shaking, no straining, no nothing here. Um, maybe a little stir at the end, but that's about it. You're going to, the reason you're filling the glass with ice first in this case is because you're going to use the time it takes you to make the drink to help dilute some of the alcohol, so that way it's not too strong. It's also going to help to chill it and keep it cool for you. So if you use a large wine glass like a, a Bordeaux or a Burgundy glass, something large like that, um, fill it about three quarters of the way with ice. I don't like filling it all the way with ice because if you fill it all the way with ice, um, when you pour the liquor in, sometimes it hits the ice and splashes out and then it makes the glass sticky. So if you fill it three quarters of the way, most of the booze finds its way to the bottom of the glass, which is where we want it. So you're going to use one ounce of the Grey Goose Essences Peach and Rosemary and then you're going to add an ounce of the St. Germain elderflower liqueur. We're adding that because we want to add a little bit of the sweetness. Um, we're going to add just a quarter ounce of agave nectar. You could use honey. You could use another sweetener if you so desire, but I like agave nectar here. If you decide to go with honey, you have to kind of redo this drink and start without ice because honey you'll need to make a syrup of, right? If you just use straight honey, it will attach to the ice and it will just clump up and get very hard. So agave nectar works better here. If you choose, if you choose to use honey, um, you have to make a little bit of a syrup first, so mix it with equal parts water. Going back, we're going to take an ounce of the cuties juice, which is the two juice, uh, two cuties basically juiced. Um, and you can use the same kind of citrus press you'd use for a lemon or a lime, something like that. But two cuties is, will equal you about an ounce of juice. And then you're going to... Top it with a little bit of Brut Prosecco or Cava or something along those lines, about three ounces. Just take all those ingredients and kind of gently stir them together. Um, you can garnish it with a piece of rosemary because of the peach and rosemary. You can garnish it with a piece of, piece of peach. If you so desire, you can garnish it with um, – there's a lot of flowers are in bloom right now outside, so you can garnish it with a beautiful flower if you want, if you want to force 
afford something from your, you know, your front yard or your backyard or something. If you have some, a lot of flowers in bloom, you can do that. Um, you know, orange wheel, orange slice, something like that. It's really kind of fun just to use the colors of what is available to us outside um, to garnish your drink with. I and could, so I could put a uh, live scorpion on top of mine. Would that be a light work? I got, a, I got a bunch of those back yeah. there. Yeah, might as well put one of those on there. <laughs> <laughs> this, they removed the stinger, but that's okay. Yes. Uh, well, then it dies, so it's not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but that's going to die. Either <laughs> way. Yeah, that's true. When I don't get in the alcohol. I appreciate you guys bringing my drink right into death. Thank you. <laughs> nice of you. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but that's it that's that's the drink it's five ingredients all stuff you should have it yourself at home um you can continue to drink the champagne or the sparkling wine if you get tired of making drinks and uh you know so it's so buy something of some decent quality so you don't mind enjoying it by itself just make mimosas with it later or you make a, a mimosa with the tangerine or the, the mandarin orange juice the cuties juice there's so many different options for for sunday with mom but this spritz style drink is something that you can kind of enjoy with her and the family throughout the course of the day, enjoy the beautiful weather, sit by the pool, whatever the case may be. Uh, I promise you, you won't be disappointed. When it's a like special occasion, Mother's Day or somebody's birthday, are you like under pressure in your family to come up with a new drink? <sighs> no, not necessarily. Um, usually it's, it's more for work when we have, um, sometimes we'll have, you know, there's a lot of the kind of celebrities and, and such that come through that building. So um, it's often the, the, the focus would be to make a drink, a new drink with said celebrity's brand or something that that brand, that celebrity likes to drink um, and creating something new around that. Um, usually it becomes with a theme, you know, they'll say it, it could be somebody that I've never heard of before. Right. I mean, uh, we had, um, or it could be somebody that you, you really do know that doesn't have any affiliation to a brand whatsoever, you know. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski was in the building one time. Hey, want to do Mike's drinks for Mike Krzyzewski? Okay, well, what do you do? I mean, he doesn't have a A lot brand. of bitterness so, in there? Yeah, a lot you of bitterness. You put some bitter in there? A lot of bitterness. Right. Super bitter. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you, you just don't know who's going to come to the building. So that's, I think, where the pressure builds a lot is when you're trying to do something special for somebody um, with something, you know, when you're just doing research on them, you're like, okay, they went to this school, they graduated here, this is their profession. Um, how do you do something where... Hey, they're a doctor. Okay, I want to make something heart healthy or brain healthy, um, you know, and, and try to tie it into something like that. So that's, I think, where more of the pressure comes in. My wife's easy. She's like, hey, I want to have a party for friends. Can you make me margaritas? I'm like, yeah, absolutely, all day long, baby. <laughs> so wait, what'd you make Mike Krzyzewski? Um, Actually, I didn't have to do that one. I just uh, uh, game-planned a few different drinks, and so I don't know what they finally wound up making for that one because I wasn't here that night. I just wrote the recipes. I mean, it wasn't like a real celebrity like Ryan Reynolds. Follow him on Twitter at JRStarkus, Instagram <laughs> at JRMakesDrinks, Southern Glazer Spirits Wine Nevada here uh, from Liquor World, Kate Can Executive. Thanks, buddy. Happy Mother's Day to uh, the uh, lovely wife, the be much better half. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Have All a right. good one, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, JR. Mike Krzyzewski, what would you make that guy? I don't know. But if I had JR in my family, I'd be telling him every day, hey, make me something new. <laughs> you just you just like supplant Here's him in the, the kitchen and like he could never come out. Yeah. Like, exactly. You're just gonna stay there. Just bar him in there. Make me a drink. <laughs> Let's go. I want I want something Let's go. The before. lights are down five zero. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I need to get drunk. Get that cutie's juice out of <laughs> exactly. here. And see, I'd be the worst because I'd be like, yeah, this is really good. Could you just make it with just the alcohol? <laughs> yes. Stop with all and, the garnishes. Uh, no ice. We don't and, garnishes. Uh, like, even warm up the glass a little if you could. I miss JR.
shaking food. shaking ice in here and doing all the crazy stuff and wearing the suits that uh, you know we'd never we'd never buy and yeah I miss that kid. Well, Jared misses him because Jared likes to steal his drinks. It's true. Steal. <laughs> <laughs> We'll use it loosely. All right, coming up next. They're orphans, and I I give them a good home. <laughs> Darren Millard was wrong. Now's your chance to win a copy of MLB The Show for Xbox. MLB The Show 21 is out for Xbox and PS5. But we've got a chance for you to win it right now. Caller number six at 702-364-1100. That is 702-364-1100. You will win a copy of MLB The Show for Xbox. A swing and a line drive. It is caught by the shortstop, Boreas. And John Meads has done it in Seattle. He has thrown a no-hitter as the Orioles take down the Mariners 6 to nothing. John Meads joins the elite ranks of Orioles pitchers who have thrown a no-hitter. It is the first individual no-hitter since Jim Palmer in 1969. The first overall no-hitter since 1991 in Oakland. And today... A day that John Means will never forget. Cinco de Mayo, a no-hitter for Means as the Orioles come rushing out of the dugout, out of the bullpen, hugs all around. Means has done it. He has thrown a no-hitter against the Seattle Mariners. I can't put it into words right now. It's unbelievable. I, I don't even know what to say, to be honest with you. Felt okay all game. I didn't really have the change up till the end. I'm glad I got it. I got yeah. it going. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. That guy said no hitters so often I mistook it for uh, Twitter media on the nights. <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> to Michael. He won a copy of MLB The Show for Xbox. MLB The Show 21 is super fun for both hardcore and casual baseball gamers. No matter what your play style, MLB The Show 21 has you covered. We will have another copy to give away tomorrow. You know, there, so there have been three no-hitters this year, plus a fourth if you count Madison Bumgarner's seven-inning no-hitter. We do not. I actually don't mind an increase in no-hitters. Like, I don't find them less special just because they're happening a bit more frequently. Like, I still enjoy them. Like, any time it's like, oh, this guy's got a no-hitter in the seventh, eighth, or ninth, like, right. I'm, I'm going to go watch it, right. and right. I'm going to hope that he no-hits whoever he's no-hitting. Like, I still enjoy them. I still find it to be fun. I still get mad that the only guy that got on base was a strikeout wild pitch, but I still enjoy no-hitters, even if they happen more frequently. Okay. <laughs> Clayton, Clayton Kershaw's got two out in the ninth against oh, the Oh, no Astros. chance. No, okay, no, no. Okay, you said you wanted to see him throw it. Okay, two things Two things supersede this. Number one, I never want the Astros to get no-hit. Okay. No doubt about that. Number two, I absolutely want pain for you. So... <laughs> I do not want Kershaw throwing a no-hitter. Now, I will say, carrying it to the ninth, two outs in the ninth, and then it getting get broken it double, up then is the like, funniest thing that could happen. Uh, like, I'll, I'll, like, when the Astros were tanking, one of my favorite games was they were playing the Rangers. You Darvish was pitching for Texas. No-hitter into the ninth, two outs. Marwin Gonzalez gets a single to breaks up the no-hitter. Favorite, One of the, my favorite moments what? of them tanking. Who was the guy who... I want to say in the '90s, basically had a perfect game going, and then the rough, the the ump just blew the call. Oh, that the guy for the in the '90s, the guy for the Tigers, like ten years ago. Oh, okay, it may have been, it may have been the Tigers. 10 yeah, years ago. I can't remember his name right. or the umpire's name, but yeah, he blew a call at first base and and completely ruined a no hitter or perfect game. And then, like two years later, that umpire was the home plate umpire for a Tigers game, and they sent the pitcher out with the lineup card instead of the manager oh, and the, the umpire started crying. The guy he screwed? Yeah. 
And the umpire started crying, and I was like, "What are you crying for?" That's when. That's when. Not that they do well, first was, base umpires. I don't think. I don't think they do field umpires. But that's when ninety nine percent on stat trackers bad. Like if that's the only <laughs> yes, one. Usually ninety nine percent. That guy had a hell of a game. But like ninety nine percent when the only one you miss is cost the poor guy. No, he was yes. like, yeah, not a good game. That's yeah. That's pretty. Brutal. <laughs> Thanks, Joe West. <laughs> but I'll I'll take all the no hitters. Like what what is it like the major league baseball batting average is like 239 or something and it's like the lowest it's been in years like since the yeah. dead ball era or something <laughs> like that. There's going to be a few more no-hitters. That's I'm been okay with 3 it. this year, right? Yeah, 3 no-hitters and, and if you For count if you count Bumgarner's 7 yes. 7 inning it's 4. Wow. So that's a lot this early in the season. How mad you got to be like if you're I mean that's that's the worst is the wild pitch perfect game and everyone is because you've just said no hitters are devalued now you got to go for the yeah, perfect game perfect yeah. game's a yeah. big deal that's the one you no want no hitters don't mean anything anymore you have to yeah. be perfect yeah like come on everybody's getting a no hitter <laughs> anyone anyone can do that i have a question should not even we, feel good about it should what what should count as more of a legitimate no hitter madison bumgarner 7 innings against the Braves or John Means nine innings against the Mariners. <laughs> Did Matt, Matt? Neither was perfect, right? I think Madison Bumgarner uh, yeah, neither walked was somebody. Neither was perfect. <sighs> I'm gonna probably say the seven innings. Yeah. I, think, I think seven against think, the Braves. Against the Braves lineup is, is much better than, than against, against Seattle. The so given how Seattle's hitting or not hitting right now, then it's probably better to go seven against the you, Braves. You told me twelve against the Mariners. I still might say. <laughs> Yes. It was better yes. against uh, against the Braves because the Braves actually have some guys that can hit the ball, yeah. unlike the Seattle Mariners. So there's your no-hitter. All right. We should get in that Millsy was wrong. He was wrong. Yeah, oh, he Millsy's was wrong. very Way wrong. wrong, Millsy. He thought there was going to be a million-dollar fine coming down to the New York Rangers. The NHL has only fined the Rangers $250,000. Yeah, I mean, it's not a million. I mean, two fifty. <laughs> I'm just mad that they're going to make 250 off a team where I kind of approved of what they did. Like, I love that they called them out. You know what I mean? Of course. Absolutely. I mean, they should be paying the Rangers 250. Yeah. You like say, you, hey, good for you. You actually called us out because we stink. Like you said about baseball teams and owners yeah, or and I mean, umpires. Like, let them pay the fines. Yeah. You have, like, these umpires or, yeah, in brutal. this case, the de- Department of Player Safety. Yeah. Like, if you think they screwed up, you should be able to yes. say, we'd like $250,000, yeah, please. But. The same thing. The same thing happens every any time a coach or a player says in a post game press conference, "Yeah, the ref screwed us." Yeah. Or oh, they, they're fine. They you can't do it. Can't do it. Yeah, it's brutal. I mean, it gets so stupid. We're like Greg Popovich, like, "All right, listen, I'm going to be fined, but let's rip these guys." They yeah. actually announced, "I know the fine." Yeah. Like they already know. Like I'm getting fined. I don't care. I've already written the check. Yeah, exactly. Now that guy sucks. <laughs> and if we play another game with him, I'm getting fined again. <laughs>